Hello and welcome to Carnivorous Chats. My name is James, your host. I started this podcast to help other folks share their own healing stories and to interview thought leaders and experts in the carnivore, keto, and low oxalate space. Before we begin, I'd like to give a shout out to Equip Foods and the Carnivore Bar. As an affiliate, you can use the link in the show notes to get a discount on their products when you check out using the code Carnivorist. Thanks in advance for listening, subscribing, and any likes or shares. And now, on with the podcast. James, how's it going? Awesome. Tony, I want to say special thanks for you to joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time out to share your story and talk about your coaching and kettlebell certifications and carnivore coaching. So I know the folks are going to be really anxious to hear about you. So I hope we can start off with a little bit about, you know, your past dietary choices and what caused you to get to the carnivore and fitness world. How about we start there? Even before we start, thank you for doing everything you do. I know, you know, in this sphere, of you know carnivore and strength training and lifting you know there's there's not a ton of us out there and so i appreciate everything you do like casey uh dr chafee like all those people like so thank you for doing everything you do and putting all the content out there it's it's awesome man you've been helping a lot of people thank you um, sir appreciate that yeah so i started out uh i was a young kid i was like super overweight when i was super young and um you know in the house you know nutrition really it's kind of like we're eating out we're cooking with vegetable oils we're you know just the standard american diet uh so as a kid i just was really heavy and i started getting into strength training and running and started to see some results and i uh as i progressed into the high school level i became an, like an athlete i was wrestler football and just yo-yo dieting was one of the big things for me up and down um, just not a lot of education, really. It's just, um, don't like just eat less and work out more and Hey, you're good. Uh, you know, that's how we just, you just eat less, just eat less. And, uh, as a wrestler, you know, that's something that was wrestling is one of the best things that ever happened to me. It's such an awesome sport, but I really got into this. Like, I'm just going to cut weight. I'm going to deplete myself completely. I'm going to, um, uh, not having taken any water, I'm going to reduce my water weight so I can make it, you know, the weight on the scale. And it's just like not sustainable. And it's something that now that we're getting older and the, the sport's evolving a little more, it's getting better and nutrition is becoming kind of a priority. But there's still those cases of kids that cut a lot of weight. And then when they get out into, you know, after college, whatever, they have that mentality is I can cut weight or I can do this or that to uh, reduce my calories and it's just it doesn't really work out so um i started blowing up after college i was i was like 215 almost 220 and i said you know i gotta do something so i started running more i used to run when i was a kid um ran more dropped the weight i started uh, i joined a gym in chicago called monkey bar uh gym which was it was awesome that, that was my first introduction to kettlebells so it was like kettlebells, uh, no machines, no mirrors. It was ropes. It was climbing. It was jumping. It was barefoot. Uh, it, it was great. It was awesome. But they had a um, – one of the pillars was it was a, a vegan. They were promoting the vegan diet. And that's when, like at that time, um, you know, forks over knives, right? All those things. Uh, we even went to go see – yeah, exactly. Uh, we went to go see um, when Rip Esselstein came in. They did a thing in Chicago. We actually were there. We were running workouts for them, um, you know, all that stuff. And I was getting in shape. I was looking better. I felt better. 
but then there's that there's that point where you just can't I couldn't sustain it anymore. I was eating all the time. I was eating out of boxes because it was vegan. I was eating like processed tortillas. I was like, oh yeah, I can't. James, how much quinoa I had in my life when I was a vegan was ridiculous. <laughs> quinoa, kale, like uh -huh. all those things, you know, just my, I always felt bloated. Um, my stomach always hurt. I was never satisfied with my diet. I would just c continuously eat and eat and eat. And then I tried uh, carnival or, or keto first. I, I kept hearing keto, keto, keto. And I was like, oh, let me try this out. So I tried it and I started feeling better. Um, I still had vegetables and, and the taste of vegetables never bothered me whatsoever. I grew up on it, started keto and then the brain fog, like that's like a huge thing. That was like the first thing I was like, Oh, brain fog. I feel like a little more alert. Um, started losing weight, feeling good. And then, uh, I kind of said, I heard the Joe Rogan podcast that everybody heard with Sean Baker. It's like only meat. I just always meat. I was like, man, I wonder how that is going to work, you know? So I tried it for a little bit and uh, I really enjoyed it, felt great, lost weight, was a little bit leaner and my performance went up a little bit. Like I was lifting heavier, I was running longer. Then I started getting like, starting to like the nuances of it. And I was like, hey, can I like compete and work out like doing these things? And I started doing more running and then COVID happened a little bit and I was like, I need a goal. There's nothing to do. So let me sign up for an Ironman. I was like, cause I was starting to like gain weight in the house. I was like, cause there's nothing to do. So I signed up for an Ironman. It was just always a goal of mine and I didn't want to change my diet. Went to some coaches. They're like, you're going to, you're going to die. Like you can't do, you have to take this many carbs in. You have to do this. You have to do that. You have to eat like this. And I said, I feel so good on this diet I don't want to change and there's a few coaches that like just didn't want to work with me um so I found a coach that that was like yeah it's like you feel like that works for you he's like I'm kind of against it but you know I can trade I can do the blocks for you I can give a program but like if that nutrition piece is on you I don't know how to do that they reached out to Casey Ruff which was basically he and this is the thing about the carnivore diet and a lot of times and even when I get people that come to me from uh Rivero and they're just like asking for permission to eat like this it's like yeah you can do this like this is okay so he gave me some really great trips i started training on a carnivore diet and did a full iron man on it uh, loved it um, autoimmune issues i've been, i've mentioned this to, uh, to some people before is i would have and again everybody's issues are different some are super extreme i know you've had like an extreme case where it was like yeah. you were getting really sick um, my issues were coming in terms of, um, you know, mental clarity, like that brain fog, inflammation, and then I had pel belphoritis in my eye. And it was the most annoying thing in the world. It's where your eyelids, like they flare up, they get inflamed, and it literally would look like I got punched in the face. It'd be flare up, and they had me on doxycycline. They just kept giving me pills. They're like, oh, put a hot compress on it. It never worked. And then once I transferred over to a fully carnivore diet, it went away. And there's like, there's no cure for it. There's just these treatments, but I, I very rarely will wake up in my eye be this big. Um, it was the most annoying thing in the world. Again, not in the grand scheme of things, not that big of a deal, but it's, it was impairing my life. Like I would have a huge black and red eye sty like every other month and it just was terrible. So, but that's kind of how I progressed and that's how I found carnivore and tried it and, 
I don't think I'm ever going back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> me, me either, Tony. Yeah. Me either. You know, let's let's dig into that. That's that's what's amazing, Tony, to me is when I listen to your story, is that it's so similar to mine in terms of progression. Mm -hmm. um, I went into high school. I was on crew, as you probably heard me talking to Scott Nazlinski from Carnivore Cast. I don't know if you ever listened to that one, but he had similar things. And we also, you know, it's an important fact to talk about that men also go through this yo-yo dieting as well as women, because mm -hmm. I, I was actually cutting weight to get on crew. You had to be a certain weight for the eight boat. I think it was 165 pounds. So um, mm -hmm. I ended up going to university. All, it all fell off the wagon as, you know, I had the Frosh 15 that turned into the Frosh 50, I think, um, yeah. which, which was just bad. And I, you know, eating the standard American diet way of things, my health was starting to decline. Um, but then like you later on a little bit, uh, admittedly, I found the vegan diet like you, I sort of fell into the propaganda with forks over knives and the fact that it was supposed to be the healthier alternative to, to eating and do all these wonderful things for you. And like you, I felt good for a while, but mm -hmm. it was that fifth year for me when I fell off a cliff. Tony, what I, what I wanted to hone in was, you know, that, you know, when you made that switch from the vegan diet into keto, which, you know, is, is again, similar to me, I did the same thing. Had you been eating a lot of the oxalate based foods on the vegan diet? You know, now that we know sort of like the, we talked about the quinoa, which is high in oxalates. Had you been eating mm -hmm. the chia seeds, the spinach, the kale, that stuff? Yeah, I think you mentioned it. I, I, I listened to, I couldn't catch it live, but I listened to you and Sally Norton, which is a fantastic guest to have. She's awesome. And um, chia seeds in the smoothies. You know, I'm doing kale. Um, oh, what was I putting? Chia, flax seeds, chia seeds. I'm making my smoothies. Uh, brown rice, because it's supposed to be healthier, but we're finding out brown rice is like even worse. You know, um, I was eating all that. And I was, I tons of quinoa kale beans was one of the things I was like well like i need my protein so like i'm gonna put beans sweet potatoes like sweet potatoes are the healthy right so i'm gonna keep a lot of those but my gut like could not keep up it, the gut couldn't keep up i was always hungry and always irritated and again there's that that honeymoon phase where you're feeling good just because if you're you're eating not junk food or you're not eating whatever like mcdonald's every day and you go to a plant-based diet like yeah, you're gonna feel great. It's better than that. But then after a while, your body's just like, I'm, I'm not getting enough nutrients. Like I was like, Oh, low fat, I'm not, I'm not gonna have butter, I'm not gonna have this. And then it starts to wear on you. I know my my hair, that's when my hair started kind of really thinning out. Um, now it's actually come back a little bit. I mean, I'm getting older, it's thinning still, but it was really I was starting to get um, almost bald spots in my head. And I couldn't figure out why. And then once I got back on to more of like animal meats, like I'm going to eat the cholesterol, I'm going to eat the fat, I'm going to eat those things that my body wants, um, I started feeling better. And I've, I've again, I'm not, not looking back. I try to avoid as much as I can now. So, but hopefully um, within time, like I've healed my body from that because we, you do a lot of damage. Like you do a lot of damage if you're still going on the diet and you continue and it's like, yeah, I'm fatigued. Uh, uh, my gut hurts. I'm irritable. Like my mental state is like, like people don't, when I say like, because I eat this way, I feel, I don't like feel depressed anymore. They look at me like my hair's on fire. They're like, how does that have to do with anything with the depression? I'm like, it's a, it's a real thing. Your, your mental state and what you eat is very tightly connected. And I've learned that because how I feel now, I could not comprehend that 
five, six years ago. How I feel now is completely different than my mental state five, six years ago. And, it, and it's all connected. Completely agree, Tony. <clears throat> completely. One of the, I obviously went carnivore after being vegan, my health going off a cliff for the health to gain my health back after feeling so awful, the physical, um, I mean to say what really surprised me the most about the carnivore um, diet was the mental benefits as you talk about, you know, the anxiety left, the depression left after a number of months. Um, my mood is just steady, Eddie, all day long, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I'm going through, uh, between you and I and everyone listening, I'm going through a bit of a rough patch in my life right now. Had I been vegan at this time, I probably would have lost my mind, but I'm very even, know how to deal with things a lot easier. I can take the stresses that life throws at you on the daily a lot more easily on the carnivore diet. It, it really is an amazing benefit that people mm -hmm. do, um, talk about, especially um, thankful carnivore Brett, one of the coaches, you know, he's healed his mental illness through this way of eating. Um, Tony, when you transitioned from sort of into keto, were you eating a lot of the keto bricks and all the uh, almond nut stuff still and like including a lot of fats like the coconuts, uh, Bulletproof coffee when you did it? Yeah, yeah, that was the, you know, you do the MCT oil, you do the, um, the coffee with, you know, throw butter in there, things like that. I was doing, um, I, at first it was, it was starting to get kind of popular, right? So there wasn't like a huge keto market. Then I found myself falling into this trap through keto where it's like the labels were keto. Like, oh, I could have that. It says keto on it. Um, this type of a food well, or treat, right? Oh, that's a chocolate treat, but it's keto, so I can have it. Um, it they, it's basically you start in a way where it's like, yeah, you limit the carbohydrates. Great. But then there's all these like packaged things that are starting to come out that say keto, keto, keto. And at some point, I just started realizing, like, this is not even food anymore. It's something else. It's just like... If I have to read the ingredients and there's a list, like I probably shouldn't be eating it because I fell into that. My my dad, um, he's been, had like health battles a little bit and he ended up actually having open heart surgery. He had to have uh, quadruple bypass. Um, you know, he was a smoker for years, things like that. But he went on keto, lost a ton of weight. He's like, he was really into it, lost a ton of weight. But then it's like, I open up his fridge. He's got keto ice cream, keto this, keto that. And he just completely bounced right back to where he was, if not worse. And it's just one of those things where you start good, but then we start implementing these things. We start messing around with the food. It's not real food anymore. You're just eating sweets and treats. So um, that's my one kind of thing I have, not against keto. Like everybody does it great, whatever, if you're doing it right. But when we start eating out of boxes, and that's what I found in the vegan diet, I started eating things that were plant-based, um, but it's not really food. And I wasn't really um, getting the right nutrition. So. Yeah, thank, thank you for that, Tony. That's a great answer. Um, I'm going to segue this next point, and it ties into what you just said, to talk about your how you got into the carnivore coaching in, in Rivero and a little bit about how you, you do that and, and fasting as well. But another thing with keto I found, and you've mentioned this in your interviews before, is that it's, it's pretty onerous in terms of counting macros, isn't it, as opposed to being on carnivore where you just eat to satiety. Yes. Um, when, when you learn that and do you, how do you approach your, your clients now as a carnivore coach when they come to you and say, I'm keto, but I want to lose more weight, but I've stalled, please help me. How did you do that? And how do you do it for your clients, customers? Yeah, for me, it was just kind of finding what fits for me in terms of like, how much am I eating? What am I eating? What are my eating windows? Um, I've actually, within this past month, I've actually played around a little bit too, I've actually increased my intake of uh, meat and animal-based things 
like I usually typically about two pounds and I was eating once a day. I was getting pretty lean. I was feeling great. Um, that could be like ribeye steaks, burger patties, whatever it may be. Um, then I increased that up a little bit just to see like, okay, if I increase this, am I going to get stronger? What's going to happen? So I've increased it a little bit and I've actually, my deadlift's gone up. Everything has gone up, but I'm actually, I'm not getting as lean as I was. And when people say, you can eat whatever you want on carnivore diet. That's not necessarily true. Like there's a, you know, you're still putting in calories in your body. And if you're not really using them, like it's going to be stored as fat. Like it's just, that's how it is. Um, I'm going to continuously like play around with it now Then I'm going to start running again. I'm going to start getting into um, maybe some races in the summer. I'm probably going to bring that down. My strength is up, but it's like, I want to lean out a little bit, but when, in terms of like helping people, it depends on their goals and what they're doing currently. I think that eating to satiety is great. I think if they're having three meals in a day, like just to start as they are, all right, let's kind of maybe figure out what for your, um, your schedule works the best. Let's make it to two meals you eat as much as you feel you need and then have three or four more bites. So you feel full, you're not, and you're having protein, so it's sustaining you. You're having fat, so it's sustaining you. You're, you're not constantly like rushing back to carbohydrates. That's the biggest thing you can eat. Like I could eat a whole pizza, easy. I could eat a whole pizza. But then within two, three hours, like I could eat more. I could, I could eat more. But when I eat two pounds of meat, there's a point where I was like, my body is like regulating and saying, Hey, you're good. You don't need any more. You're full. And satiation is the one big thing that we strive for or the, I have my clients strive for. Um, and it's okay to increase butter. Like you can put butter on things. It's okay. They're like, Oh wait, I should put butter on this. I go, sure. Yeah. You know, there's a limit, you know, if you have too much butter, you kind of like digestively, you're going to have kind of disaster pants a little bit. And you figure that out as you go through, there's a limit, but, it's going to help your satiety and the relationship. And this is my number one thing that I always say, like, what's the, the biggest benefit? It's the relationship with food. I am not hungry. Like I can fast and be fine. I'm probably going to do another three or four day fast coming up as we get out of January. And I am okay. I'm fine. It's okay to skip a meal. If I'm running around busy, I'm not running like to the fridge or wherever to get food. I'm okay because my body is so used to running on its own fat that I'm not the type of person that has like a whole entire, um, there's people that I work with that I know that come with like literally coolers of food and they're eating five, six times a day. I'm like, I don't, I don't have, one, I don't have time for that. Two, I don't want to count my calories all day. Three, like it's just so much. It's like taking so much out of my day. If I can make it super simple, I'm going to eat once or twice a day. I'm going to have animal-based products, and I'm going to put a little butter on it, salt. I'm satisfied. I'm satiated, and I'm getting the best nutrients available to me. And that's the way I like to approach it. There's individuals. It depends on who they are, body composition. You can tweak it as needed. Some people have experience with fasting. Some people don't. I, I work the best on one meal a day. I really enjoy it because it's simple. I know my food in advance. Like I just stock my freezer with a bunch of meat and I know exactly where it's at. Like I don't have to like prep. I get it out early in the day. When I get home, it's defrosted. I make my steaks and my burgers and that's it. I don't have to think, which is great for me. So. No, that's amazing.
Um, Tony, this, <laughs> I've talked about our similarities on our journey, but one, one difference I can tell you is that I heard you say that one of your bucket list items was to do an Ironman. I know that that's a pretty, <laughs> that's a pretty impressive bucket list item, um, my man. Um, mm -hmm. What was really striking to me, Tony, and we can talk about how you prepared for that Ironman. I'm just really interested because you ran at Fat Adapted, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, you talked about endurance athletes becoming pre-diabetic in some instances yeah. due to the high carbohydrates that they have to stack before a race. I, I had never even realized that before. That's crazy. Tell me about that. Yes. Yeah, so what, and it, as the athletes, and again, it depends on, you're going to go two versions. And, I, and this is the way I think about it. Like your general, like weekend warrior, I'm running races. I'm doing this to be healthy version. And then you have like your real athletes, right? Mm -hmm. So the people who are running these races, like they're, they are, they're told, and this is, again, this is when I was approaching, co some coaches didn't want to work with me because I'm like, I really want to do this fat adaptive. I'm on, into the carnivore diet. They're like, you're going to die. Like they're not, you need carbohydrates. I was like, what about running on fat? They're like, no, can't do that. So you have these people that are told by coaches, like you have to have this many carbohydrates an hour. Um, on your training runs, you have to carbo load before the day of kind of deal. And these are the, the meals you should be eating. Well, the problem with that is you continuously are spiking your uh, blood sugar, right? And so for the general person, as they start training, there's a very, very common theme of people who will start at a weight. And again, they're doing this because they want to be healthy. They start at a certain weight. And then at the end of the race, whatever, yeah, they did it. But they're either at the exact same weight or even heavier because they're not burning any of these things off and everything that's access is going to be stored as fat. And so that's that version, right? The other version, you have like the high level athlete that is taking in carbs, continuously spiking their uh, blood sugar. And towards the end, again, there's such good athletes that they're able to get away with it. But when they get towards the end of their career or middle of the career, they've, they've literally just like ran their pancreas into the ground because they're always spiking the blood sugar, they're always releasing insulin. And then it gets to a point where, you know, they go to the doctor, they're not feeling well. And it's like, Hey, um, you, you're about to be, you're a pre-diabetic right now. They're like, I am one of the fittest people that I know. How's that possible? Well, it's because you were literally blasting your body with carbohydrates and spiking your glucose or spiking your um, insulin level and your blood sugar continuously, like at a high rate week after week. Um, there's a really good guy. Um, David Scott, and um, he did a Meat Mafia a podcast, and I never heard of him before. I don't know if you ever heard of David Scott. No. Uh, he did theirs, or they had him on. He's a six-time Ironman champion, right? And this is years and years and years ago. And now he is a very big, like, advocate of the low-carb diet. Like, this, he goes, if I could do it over again, I would have done it low-carb. He goes, the amount of carbohydrates I was just – really harming my body throughout the years. And he's like, and this is a six time Ironman champion. That's like, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's the way to go. Fat adaptive is the way to go. Um, but there's a, also a really good uh, documentary that I don't see enough people promote. I should be putting it on my Instagram too, is it's called running on fat Two. I've never seen the first one. I've only seen the second one. Have you ever have you ever heard of it or no? I did listening to you and actually it's on my to watch list. I, I, when I listened to this, you know, doing my, um, you know, notes before we mm -hmm. talk, talk today. I heard you mention it a couple of times. I'm definitely going to watch it. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen the first one, but the second one I saw as I was like trying to get into, like, I was like making sure that if I'm going to be running an Ironman and being fat adaptive, what does that look like? And I just came across it and I like rented it. 
on Vimeo or something. And it's really good. They like, it's like a, a, a couple who are rowing from what, like a 40 day row. And it's all like on a ketogenic diet. And uh, one of the, the leads in there is a former endurance athlete who is pretty much pre-diabetic. And he was just like, how is that even possible? I work out all the time because he just ran his blood sugar up continuously for years. And that it, it, it does have an effect. He might not look like it because he's fit and he's an athlete. He could get away with it. But it, internally, there is a price to pay for just jacking up that um, blood sugar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tony, what I want to talk about next, if it's okay with you, is, you know, we're talking on the coaching side and what you do. And I think what you do is so incredible. And folks, you should go follow Tony after this live at Tony, the primal coach. And that segues into, I want to talk about how you came up with the name Tony, the primal coach. Um, one of the things I heard you say is you don't like to be pigeonholed into one area of, of you know, sort of I'm all carnivore or I'm all mm -hmm. keto. I'm, I, I can whatever your issues are and we'll find out what they are. I'm here to help you. Talk to us about how you came up with that philosophy. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, so if you go, I was even going to delete these things at the beginning of my Instagram. I don't know if you saw them, but like I used to, my tag was the carnivore athlete. Like I'm like, I'm after this is after my Ironman. I'm like, I am full fledged. I am a carnivore athlete, like da 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 this and that. And I was like, you know, I feel like that just could be intimidating to people. Like not everybody is de deems themselves an athlete or like, oh, I don't really want to do carnivore, but I'm interested so I've, I've like followed Mark Sesson's work a lot and I'm in the middle. I'm almost done with it to do his um, primal coach certification. I'm almost done with it. Uh, it's very, it's pretty intense. It's very intense. Uh, are you doing it now or have seen it? No, but I was talking to Ashley Van Houten, um, the muscle maven who mm -hmm. is, is also a, she's a primal coach too. And she was, um, uh, you know, she worked with Mark Sesson and did a lot of his um, marketing, I think on that side, or I think for his stuff, but um yeah, uh, she was saying how intense it is. Yeah, it's very, it's very time consuming. Um, so it's just like I, I, I full time job, I train whatever. So like I'm chipping away at it, but it's very good. It's it's very intense, and the science is really great. And but the breakdown is good because with the whole primal background is, you know, in the terms of like nutrition, right? It's eating more animal based, right? They they say like protein is your friend. fats are good like your body runs on fat it's good for your brain it's good for your body like it's okay to eat those things limited but here's the thing they have limitations on like how much carbs you can have in terms of what you want so just to maintain in this like primal food pyramid type deal you know 150 carbs a day is like you're maintaining for people so some people aren't ready to give up sweet potatoes rice whatever it may be but if you can be within that 150 and increase your fat and protein intake, you're going to feel better. Um, and then it gets down to like, Hey, if I want to start to lose weight a little bit, I can shrink that down a little bit to 50 carbs a day. And you could still work out. You do live your life, just a smaller amount of carbohydrate. Carnivore is virtually like no carbs, um, but it's okay. And there's this point of metabolic flexibility, which is, is something that I feel that's where I live. So I'm able to burn fat. If I'm really on the carnivore diet, I can burn fat fairly easy. I can run on fat. I can fast. I can do all that stuff. If I have like fruit or something, and I, I think it's not, it's some people demonize it. Some people like want to take my carnivore card away for having fruit, you know, but um, you know, it's okay to have fruit every once in a while. I think in sparingly, and it helps me too. If I'm going to do a very intense workout 
and I want some more pop. Like I want so, some quick energy, real like it's going to be hard, intense, but short sprinting. I might have some fruit beforehand just to have it in my body. Um, it saves me too. Like if I go out and there's like a birthday party, whatever, and they're having cake, but there's fruit. And I'm like, ah, I don't really want the cake. I, I just have some fruit. That's okay. It's sparingly. I think there, there goes into this, um, it's like strict carnivore, keto, and there's like stuff in between. Um, I know this is me personally. And I think Anthony Chafee's talked about this too. I can't sometimes, I can't buy fruit. I can't buy it because if I buy it and I buy a lot of it, I will overconsume it. And that's my thing with the, the fruit and the carbs. I have to make sure like that it's very sparingly and it's very small amounts. I will eat all, I mean, and I've done this, like a bushel of bananas, whatever you call it, big thing of bananas. Like I'll eat one, two, three. And before I know it, it's a, two days later, I've gone through the whole entire thing. That's supposed to last me the whole entire week. It's just that I can't regulate that. I just, I would rather not have it in the house or anywhere, but if I'm out and I see some fruits, I might have it, you know, or if I buy something, it's going to be very small package because I know I just, I will overconsume it, but it's okay. Every once in a while, sparingly, I have this metabolic flexibility where I can turn into a sugar burner. I can burn those things off and then my body will revert back into being a fat burner. That's that metabolic flexibility part. You're going to have to, to get to that point, you're going to have to take your carb intake down. Your body has to be a fat burner. And then once you introduce carbs, they'll learn to fluctuate. And that's just life, right? Like sometimes, you know, it just is what it is. You're going to have a little something that's not carnivore. You're going to have some fruits. Um, I was at a steakhouse and they threw mushrooms on my steak and I asked not to have the mushrooms, on, but they were there and I, I ate them. I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal for me. I didn't, I don't have, there's some people that if they have any type of um, like vegetables, they get these flare ups or whatever. To me, I can handle it. Excessive amounts. No, I just don't feel good, but it's okay to go to, you know, a little, little bit of fruit, a little bit of vegetables, if that's what you want to do. But we shouldn't be very dogmatic on like steak, butter, salt. All, nothing else you know i think it's it's too hard to follow for people and it's too it's too much pressure to put on somebody like a client like you can only have these things no like hey just know you have to limit those carbohydrates whatever the range is it's gonna match your goal you know you some might need a little bit more because they're really working hard or they're doing races or whatever it may be um and they're not ready to go all the way down it just depends on the person yeah no that's mm -hmm. Really excellent, Tony. I really appreciate your point of view. Um, I heard you say if you're super strict, you won't stick with it, which is the mm -hmm. which is facts in the coaching world. Um, yeah. And you you also talk about making food and workouts fun to get people healthy and happy, which I think is a really great approach from a coaching perspective. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of that, talk to us a little bit about kettlebells. And I am so interested in this because as I get back into my fitness, because I couldn't work out for a long time because I was too sick. Mm -hmm. I'm lifting weight, lifting weights again. I've put on almost 30 pounds in the past year, but it's mostly nice. muscle, man. I'm, it's really good. Um, and I'm really interested in getting in kettlebells. I understand the approach, you know, the convenience of them, the minimalist approach that they have. Um, how did you get into them and what are the benefits that most folks see from using kettlebells? And what my real main question to you is what weight do you start out with? I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it all varies. Um, we actually just had a kettlebell workshop here that I do once a month and it's just all technique. And it, it's one of those things where it, it, it just takes a little bit of time. 
there's some movements you can do right off the bat that are they're fairly easy but if you want to get the most bang for your buck you know it's learning these things like a, a kettlebell swing is great a swing and a turkish get up if you, you could just do those two things like you're you're going to put your body into a lot of stress you're going to be you got cardio you have strength you have mobility it's like i'm doing only two things and i can get way more bang for my buck than sitting at the gym for I don't know. There's people that go to the gym that this gym culture that I used to be a part of, I'm not going to lie, where you go and you just talk with your friends and you just, you bench three sets and then you walk around and you chat and then you move to the next machine and the next machine or whatever. And I'm there for two hours. I'm like, I don't have the time. Um, but a swing, a get up, a kettlebell snatch, these are all things that are, could be very ballistic, cardio related and build muscle. So it could be whatever you would like. I say typically um, if it pretty athletic person, you know, that's coming in that has some athletic experience, um, you could start from like a 12, 14, 16 K and just work on swings and, and then progress. And then as you really get, and it's, once you get the technique down, the, the bells start getting bigger and bigger and bigger and you become stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And you could always mess with the rep range. You could always mess with what you're doing, but it's only a couple things. Like I only have four bells that I really work with. That's it. And I can get an amazing workout. The other piece of it is the mobility where, so I go to a, a gym that I don't work at. I'll just go to a, uh, one of the gyms in Chicago called Jaguar strength. And it's a lot of barbell work there. It's a lot of barbell work. I uh, tore my rotator cuff, or I tore my labrum, and I had uh, they shaved off some of my rotator cuff. So a lot of this front rack position with the bar, I, I just cannot do it. I don't have the mobility. They're, like, cool enough to be like, yeah, man, we already know you're doing kettlebells, so just go in the back and do your kettlebell stuff. Um, but for me, it's it's I can work on my mobility. I can get in different positions. I can feel safe. Um, I don't have a huge bar over my head there. You know, I only have one bell or two, but I feel like I'm more in control. And that's what I love about it too, is I am in more control. Um, I can build up my weights. I can work on my mobility. And there's people, I have clients that, that have been with me for six months plus. And the way they can move now is directly like contribute to the, like our goblet squats, right? Some people could not even get, into a certain position where their hips can't go below their knees. And now like, cause of the assistance of the weight, they're able to have mobility, um, Turkish get-ups, shoulder, thoracic, like everything is getting developed because you're moving this weight around in ways you can't do with a dumbbell. You can't do it with a barbell. You can't do it with a machine. It's not going to work. So just be able to take a load and move it in different ways. That's to me, that's movement. Like that's, that's life. I can do those things with the, with a bell where I can't do it with the barbell sometimes. So that's why I love kettlebells. A lot of my clients, they already know, we'll do some other things for sure. Like it's not a hundred percent kettlebells, but most of my clients will be using a kettlebell most of the time. And they, they love to see the progression. You know, if I can yeah. get somebody from an AK get up to 16, 20, it's a huge jump. And they're just, they get excited about it. Yeah. What, I, what it appeals to me about it, as you say, is, is the ease of doing it, the minimalist approach. You don't need a huge pile of dumbbells, which I accumulated when the pandemic hit. We went and bought yeah. dumbbells, which I'm very thankful for because it's I. That's how I've been working out at home. Um, but it also the mobility aspect really appeals to me. And this is going to tie into my next point, um, Tony. Is 
that strong first certification. I, through you and knowing about this, I followed them on Instagram mm -hmm. and the, the detail in the movement is what really intrigues me because I, I realized I'd like a lot of people have been doing a lot of exercises incorrectly for the most benefit, getting the bang for the buck. And this strong certification is a really, again, pretty intense one. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, and I won't mess this one up this time. I don't know if you listened to that with me and Casey Ruff. I was like, I kept saying 50 snatches, yes. but I meant on each arm, and I, like, called him back. I was like, hey, man, I met 100, not 50. I don't want the strong first people coming after me. Um, but, no, strong first, it, it, kettlebell certification, and there's a lot of certifications out there for kettlebells. It's not the only one, but it's um, one of the only ones, and there's a, maybe maybe a couple more. Um, like uh, Russian RKC is another one, but I just like strong first and you have to, at the end of your three day session, you have to test out. So you have to show that you can do the movements properly. Um, so like a front rack squat, a press, things like that, a kettlebell swing. But then the hard part would be the, the snatch test. So you're going to have to demonstrate you can do a snatch test. So you have five minutes to do a hundred kettlebell snatches. Uh, I was like 180 pounds at the time, so I had to use a 24-kilogram bell. It's like 50 pounds. So you'd have to go. You could put the bell down, but you have to do 100 like very technical snatches within five minutes. And if you don't get those snatches in five minutes, you're allowed to submit a video later. You only have like a certain window. Um, I know I went up, and it's not no nothing against the, the guys in front of me, but they put us in the line, and the first two – I was the third one in the line – the first two guys that went up both failed. Uh, they got to like 93, 90 something. They're like, no. I was like, oh, dude, I'm up next. I'm like, I'm a little scared at this point because I really, I was, I practiced, but I didn't like crush myself. Right. And I was like, okay, like, I, I think I'm prepared. Let's go. And I did my snatch test. I was like, I am not putting the bell down. Everybody I saw put the bell down, like, didn't make the rep count. I'm going. So I, I think I finished under four minutes. I was just, I didn't stop. And the guys were like, Jesus Christ. I'm like, dude, I don't want to fail. I don't want to fail, um, but um, it's it's good, and they have different things. Like uh, this April, I'm going back to the Dome, which is in Rosemont, just outside of Chicago, and I'm doing the barbell certification. And again, like I'm not a big advocate of the barbell, but I want to learn, and I want to learn for my for my clients because they might be a little bit more comfortable with the barbell. Some people don't like the weight on the wrist of a kettlebell. Um, I like to do barbell or trap bar deadlifts because I can, you know, build that up and get heavier and heavier. Uh, so I'm doing bar, they have barbell, they have body weight, they have another certification, which is level two for um, kettlebell instructors. So you have to test again, and then you have to do another, like all these different movements. Um, and I don't know if you you heard about like the Beast Tamer or the Iron Maiden. Have you heard of these? No. I don't think I'll ever do it, but um, so the Beast Tamer for men, um, you have a 48-kilo kettlebell. And so to become a Beast Tamer, you have to strict press the kettlebell one time. You have to strap around your waist and do a pull-up with your chin, like, throat touching the bar. And then you have to do a pistol squat holding the bell. And you have to do a, a full pistol. And you, you can't put your other foot down until they tell you, like, foot down and then – your foot goes down. So we, I watched some people do it and I'm like, holy crap, these, these people are strong. Um, you know, that's just very, like, I can't do a pistol with by myself, let alone a 48 K. Um, so it's just, some of these people, like they get super strong and there's, 
there's really, really big, like strong, like linebacker looking people. And then like people like not even that much bigger than I am. And they're doing it. I was like, wow, like you have to have very good technique to do these things. And um, it's a, it's a cool community. And we all talk the same talk, which is the big thing. I work at another gym where when we talk about, we might coach a little differently, but the main things like the same vernacular is going back and forth and it's common language. And that's why I like about strong first. Cause it's like, if we, I have multiple instructors that are strong first instructors, the clients are all getting the same thing. We all have our own flair, but they're all getting the same thing and they're able to be coached even better. So that's why I like strong first. Amazing, Tony. Um, you know, I'm just looking at all the certifications you're getting and the value added that you have coming to this for your clients, man. That is amazing. You should be really proud of yourself because carnivore coach, fasting coach, strong first certification, now getting your primal certification. I mean, this is all things that you can, you know, sort of bring in to your clients from a multiple angle approach to help them get healthy, to help them heal. Uh, really incredible, man. You should be really proud. So congrats on all that. Thank you. Um, um, Tony, let's talk a little bit now, delving back to the carnivore way of eating. What does a typical day of eating look for you like now? I know you talked about if you know on training days versus non-training days, but I guess let the folks know what do you enjoy eating? What are your favorite foods? Oh man, uh, my favorite. I mean, I'm very like kind of the same all the time. I I'm the type of person that I could I never get really tired of the same stuff. So um, very vanilla in my food choices in the carnivore sphere, but uh, ideally what I like to do is I'll do a ribeye steak, uh, with salt and like two, um, half pound burger patties. So around two pounds of meat, if, if I'm eating one meal a day and that to me is great. I love ribeyes and I just started liking New York strips for some reason. I didn't like them. Like, I'm like, ah, oh, they're not fatty enough, or whatever. But if you find a right New York strip, with like a nice fat back on it, it's like, Oh, so good um but typically i like steak and i, I like a, a good ground beef um that's like an 80 20 because the texture is a little different instead of like it takes me like a long time to eat two steaks sometimes so it's like i'm cutting i'm chewing i'm cutting chewing whereas if it's ground beef i can take down a little bit faster um but it's either ground beef uh steaks and then again, some fruit every now and again, depending, I might pop in like some berries or whatever, but it's very limited and it's sparingly. Something that I've actually liked um, that I've added is lamb. I know I've heard um, is it Michaela Peterson talk about it. She's like, oh yeah, lamb. And then even Jordan Peterson, they're talking about like how lamb is the one that they, that, that works for them the best. And there's a butcher shop that's not that far from me and they do ground, fresh ground lamb. So I'm trying that out and I, I really like, I, I've always liked lamb. It's a little lean-ish, uh, but I'll throw some butter on it, some salt, and it's, it's really good. So that's the one thing I've added. So it's always like a ribeye or a New York strip, some good ground beef, eggs. I like eggs. I just don't like cooking them because they feel like they make a mess. <laughs> so uh, I do sometimes if I'm feeling a little like, hey, I got some extra time. I'll make a really good omelet, some bacon, things like that. But for the majority, it's really just um, ribeyes or New York strips with some type of ground beef and or ground lamb. To me, I don't need anything else. I'm satiated. I'm fine. 
Oh, that's awesome, Adam. Mm-hmm. It's got me thinking about my dinner tonight, Tony. I, I got a huge ribeye with some bone marrow that I scoop out and put Ooh. on top of the ribeye. <laughs> so nice. good. Yeah, I don't know. Like your stuff, it's like wings in the air fryer. <laughs> like I see your stuff. You're always I, posting, always posting. Yeah. What is, and this is my question yeah. to you is like, because yeah. I'm thinking about it, like is the air fryer worth getting? hundred percent. I tell everyone hundred percent. It makes my life so easy, especially because I'm cooking for two now that my wife has adopted this way of eating. And sometimes I'll feel like um, wings and maybe sometimes I won't. Sometimes she'll put, you know, even fish you can stick in there. I know you're not a big fan of fish, but she loves salmon. Um, but hundred percent in terms of convenience. So what I'll have is I'll have the grill going with the steaks outside, as you see, or the bacon. Yeah. I'll have the air fryer going with the wings so I can time it when I come in. And I don't put, believe it or not, People message me. The most messages I get about my chicken wings, man, all the time. Yeah. Why do they look? Why do they look so crispy? What are you putting on them? Absolutely nothing. All I do, I'll tell everyone the secret here is I get fresh wings, not frozen. Typically, they're vacuum sealed from. They come from the U.S. to Bermuda, but I get, you know, they're fresh vacuum sealed wings. I pat them dry. I, I salt them liberally, and I stick them in the air fryer. It's 23 minutes, and flip half halfway through, and they come out with a perfect crispiness. Wow. Every time. And then if you want to add butter or anything on top, you can, but they're, they're great. Uh, yeah, I get a lot of questions yeah. about those, man. I see. You're like, the wing's coming in. I was like, again, yeah. Um, yeah, I've been, I have some buddies who are like, you don't have an air fryer? I'm like, no, I don't have an air fryer. They're like, it's the way to live. They're like, I do a whole chicken in the air fryer. Yeah, I've done it, it too. Yeah. It, it revolutionized in terms of time and ease, specifically, like I said, because I'm doing all the cooking and I'm also working my nine to five plus doing this stuff. It's just so much easier, man. So definitely get one. Yeah. Um, Tony, um, as we start to wind down a little bit, um, let's just talk about, you know, uh, oh, let me ask you, excuse me, let me go just come back a little bit. Are you still having coffee? I, I put my hand up. I am still. I tell folks. I, I, I that's, I mean, that's my, I, it's, a, yeah. it's a problem. Yeah, <laughs> I love coffee. I um, but my what I usually do typically is, and again, this is where don't take my carnivore card away for having coffee. I yeah. know it comes from a plant. Um, I've also heard multiple people say it doesn't have that many oxalates in it, and this and whatever. Um, if it's if coffee bothers you, like don't have it. But for me, it doesn't really affect me as much. Um, I mean, I guess maybe I'm just used to it. But I'll do coffee in the morning. I make like a twenty ounce. I, I brew my, I grind my own beans, brew my own coffee. I'll take uh, LMNT. On, um, they have these new flavors. I don't know if you ever had them, the, the chocolate ones. So it's like a nice little, you know, a little treat uh, that I don't feel bad about, is like I say. So they have like a chocolate mint, a chocolate caramel, or regular chocolate. Sometimes I'll throw that in there or just regular salt in there, a little bit of heavy cream in the morning. And that's like my meal, like for the morning. And I'm good till lunch. I just get a little bit of fat, a little bit of caffeine. And there's, Again, you're going to go back and forth. It depends on who you talk to. Like, caffeine's terrible for you. Like, oh, actually, caffeine is it's kind of good for you. So you, it depends on who you talk to. Uh, my problem is, like, I got to stop drinking coffee after, like, 11. Because I'll just, like, because we at work, um, we get free coffee, which is fantastic. But, however, it's it's one of those things like, you know what? Let me get another coffee. You know, let me get a coffee. So I definitely have to, like, cut back on it. Um, but, no, I'll drink coffee. Um, after my first coffee though, I try to just have it black. I don't want to have additional cream, additional cream, additional cream. I don't think I need it. Um, but in the morning I like to have a little bit of fat in there. Yeah, no, no. I, 
I tried an experiment where I was cutting down and I, I was silly because I wanted to, and I really did. I got my cup size down, down, down to it was a very minute, almost an, almost an espresso size, but regular coffee cup in the morning. Mm -hmm. And then I, then I took my 50th birthday trip to Alaska and the time changed, man, I was right back on the train again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, Hey, it's one of those things. It's one of my, I, I love, I get it from my grandfather. I love putting my hand around a warm mug first thing in the morning and just, it's my time of the day for Zen moment and it's a Zen moment for me. And I realize I'm hooked, but I, I eventually I want to try at least a month and I'll try a month where I go completely off of it. Cause you know, I'm always interested to see what happens. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those things. How about, I know you've talked about this before, Tony cheese. Are you having cheese these days? You have to moderate uh, it, right? I definitely, definitely try to moderate it because I can, um, I've, I've taught you probably heard this. I've talked about this before with some like podcasts, um, there's some people, and again, I'm not a scientist. I've, I've heard this multiple times. So people can fact check me that have a gene that the, like a cheese or a dairy, like it doesn't regulate and you can over consume it very easily. Whatever that gene is or is not, I, I'm that person. Like I can eat cheese, like, no, okay. I'll put it this way. So I, I made myself a charcuterie board with like fresh mozzarella and they didn't have like the small ones. They had like the, like almost like a log size thing of mozzarella. So I put like prosciutto and some other stuff, you know, Italians, this is how we got to do it. And uh, I was like, well, I'm only going to make half of this. I'm going to cut half of this. And I literally ended up just eating the entire thing. And I'm like, why did I eat the whole thing? It's because I just can't regulate cheese. Um, I do. So if I go out, so one of the things is I feel like I post this before I got posted again. I go to, if I go to like out and I'm eating, I'll go to five guys. Do you have five guys in Bermuda? I don't know. No. No. Uh, no. Well, if you five guys, it's like kind of like an in and out version, I guess. And you can get solo patties. They always give me crap for it. But if you ask for a solo patty, it's $2 a patty. Um, and I usually get like four or five patties and like, you want cheese on that? And I'm like, yeah, I'll do cheese on something like that. And that's every once in a while. Um, but I try not to have cheese a lot. One, um, just too much of it. I do feel a little icky afterwards, but um, I can definitely easily eat way too much cheese it's a problem <laughs> i heard i did i did hear, hear you say that tony and i was going to tease you and say i heard you had the um the italian snip <laughs> the gene yeah. snip it's what mozzarella I, yeah it's <laughs> but i i definitely know some people like there's people in my family and they're definitely not italian but they cannot moderate the cheese i yeah. can i'm lucky you see me i have my four slices every morning yeah. with my my burgers and i enjoy it especially for those of us that are coming from a high oxalate background, because the calcium, which I love to have, because I couldn't tolerate any dairy for a long time, the calcium binds to the oxalate as they pass out through your gut and your stool. So it's a really beneficial thing to have. Um, and I've noticed tremendous benefits from it. Um, Tony, um, let me, last couple of questions for you. One question came from Therese, who may be still on, I'm not sure she, she is, but what, what would you say to someone that has a, a herniated, um, navel herniation that wants to do kettlebells do you think they still can do they have to be careful any sort of those hernia injuries yeah you can the thing is uh, avoiding and that's a, a little bit of the issue is like avoiding things that are ballistic right mm -hmm. i mean there's got to be one you're gonna have to like strength training is is key right as we grow older you know things are gonna kind of wear down a little bit it's just kind of a little bit of a way of life I think eating this way helps prevent that, um, but you're gonna get some things like that. Um, but using a kettlebell is fine, but I think that just very, very like slow movement patterns, goblet squat, single arm press, double press, 
I think with the mobility, you can go maybe go a light bell and work on the mobility factor, um, doing Turkish get-ups, not going super heavy. Kettlebell swings might not be in your bag because it kind of might hurt your back, so you stay away from those. But definitely using a, a lighter bell for those mobility things or build up the other bells where it's a very strict um, movement that there's a lot of tension. Like our, the way that we do double rack squats, goblet squats, like I tell them like you're like a Coke can, right? And like, if I have a Coke can with filled with Coke, I can stand on it and it's not going to fold. But um, if I, I brace and I fill my body with air and I create a lot of tension, I can do a squat and I'm super, super solid. So it's like creating tension, bracing, that's going to help save those, the back. And that's just with all lifts. doesn't matter what it is. Um, but yeah, definitely doing very strict movements. And then if you are going to do things with mobility or ballistic, a lighter bell. You know, and then you go from there and you see how they progress because maybe building up that lower back or the front, we can get you to the point where it's like, oh, now I can start doing other things, but starting slow and then slowly building up, building up until you're pain free. Awesome. Thank you, Tony. Last question. What's next for Tony Pescola? What are you doing all these certifications? What's next for you? Where do you, what do you want to be doing for the next sort of uh, five years this year, the rest of this year, whatever you want to Ooh, talk to us about? Million dollar question. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, well, I'm, I'm a PE teacher during like the day and I, and I coach youth athletics. That's the main gig. Uh, my, my thing right now is I've, well, I, I haven't really talked too much about this, but I've, I have my own LLC that I started. It's called Primal Foundations. And uh, you're, you're like, yeah. Uh, so I'm slowly trickling in into getting that space set up where it's a lot of free stuff. That's my, my big thing is, and me, um, not that I'm a perfectionist, but it's like, I'm waiting a little bit to release it because I want it to look right, you know, but it's going to be basically strength training for people, videos, um, like PDFs. And if people want to do one-on-ones, they can, and that's something separate, but giving a space and a place for everything that I feel like, like for me, I, I labeled it primal foundations is because we have these foundations that we need to build in strength and then in our nutrition, um, even in our mental space too, like we have to have fun. We have to do things that we enjoy. Um, one of the primal uh, blueprint things that they talked about how like we, we think that everybody was just hunting back in the day, right? Everybody's hunting and that's all they did. Like, no, there's like six to eight hours of play a day. And that's like important too. So there's those pieces and that's why I call it primal foundation. So slowly working to releasing that and a lot of free stuff. I think some people live in this space where they like eBooks, eBooks, eBooks. And I'm like, for a carnivore diet, it doesn't really have to be, it doesn't have to be uh, like an eBook that's this thing. It could be a sheet of paper, to be honest. Like, here, like eat, try these things. You like them? Great. You know, but, um, and it's not more to make money by any means. Like if people want to like hire me personally to work with them, that's one thing. But my goals are really just like give information out frame it so it's easy and accessible and um you know you know you're doing podcasting casey's like the man you know oh, yeah. he just has like 500 episodes wherever he's got but maybe dabble into that but i feel like you're doing an awesome job of just putting information getting awesome guests and like i look at you guys and i'm like i'm not doing enough like i need to do more to put information on the space and right now i'm affecting my circle right now and that's where what I'm affecting the most is the people that are around me because I have people that want to try this that are really getting into carnivore, you know, somebody that has gout that's like, Hey, I've heard that carnivore can help. Is that true? I was like, 
yeah, gout's like totally about inflammation. If you go carnivore, that reduces that down. You might have less flare-ups. Whereas everybody was told, don't eat meat if you like, it causes gout. Like, no, that's not true. Um, but uh, instead of affecting my circle, which is great, I just get more information out to people. So that's hopefully where it's at, slowly but surely. Oh man, I appreciate the the feedback. Thanks, Tony. And folks should know, I, you know, when I first started my account, which was basically last year, it's hard to believe, man. This yeah. year has flown by. You were you were the one of the first folks that kindly followed me and commented and shared things with me. So I appreciated that. That's why I wanted to get you on right away as soon as I started doing these things. And also, we talk, you talk about Casey, man. That that young man is incredible. What a great oh, yeah. what a great individual. Um, and mm -hmm. Tony, that just leads me into saying. Thank you so much for today, man. You are an awesome talent. Um, we're really appreciative of everything you're putting out there in this carnivore space. Where can folks find you? I know here on Instagram, but where else can they find you and connect with you right now? Yeah, so Instagram, Tony underscore the Primal Coach. Uh, and then my email is uh, Tony the Primal Coach at Gmail that I have just open. Um, but those are like my two main places. Again, working to make it easier for people to get connected to me, but I'm pretty much living off of Instagram right now. So, yep. And also I understand to Tony, they can get, uh, contact you if they want through the Rivero website still for carnivore and fasting coaching. Correct. Yeah. I have that, that link in my bio. I just keep it up there, but anybody who's interested, um, I guess my, more of my lore, I, again, I work with everybody, but the most people I get through there are people who are athletes. that like want to do races and do this, but uh, anybody can work with me through Rivero, either carnivore, like, coaching them through that or even fasting i know i'm you know going to start maybe probably next week put some stuff on fasting because i like to do that every like four or five months like i'll just do a little bit of a fast and put some info out there but those are all great things rivero is great easy access for people to get to me tony pascola you're amazing thank you again you have a wonderful rest of your day take care my good friend thank you james appreciate take, it thank take, you take care man And that's a wrap on this episode of Carnivorous Chats. If you've made it this far, I want to say thank you for listening and also thank you in advance for liking, subscribing, or sharing this episode. Thanks again to the good folks at Carnivore Bar and Equip Foods. Don't forget to check the link in the show notes to get a discount on their products. And also, don't forget you can book me for a 30-minute carnivore coaching session through Rivero Health. Again, the link will be in the show notes. Until the next time, be well. <laughs>